Welcome back to MBEF's In the Know podcast. This is your host, Ellen Padnos, parent and MBEF board member. As always, thanks for listening. Two reminders before we get started. Today, March 20th, kicks off Manhattan Beach's Support Our Schools Week. Participating businesses donate a percentage of their sales to MBEF. If you're going to shop, you might as well have some of that money going back to supporting your kids at school. For a list of participating businesses and the days that a percentage of their sales goes to MBEF, please check out the MBEF website. Also, if you've always dreamed about sitting center court for the best party of the year, you're in luck. Tables for this year's wine auction are on sale now. You can email david at mbef.org for more information. Today, we have a really, really special episode for you. As you may know, MBUSD dedicated the week of March 6th to social-emotional learning. My daughter came home on the Monday of that week and told me all about an assembly they had during gym. The speaker was this amazing blind triathlon. According to my daughter, he talked about how your obstacles can be used as your fuel, and I kept hearing her say, all over the house, have an attitude of gratitude. Today, we're so excited to bring this amazing blind triathlon, more commonly known as Steve Walker, to you. Steve grew up in Redondo Beach and is currently working at MBMS and Costa as an intern counselor. In this episode, you'll hear all about his journey of going blind, how he turned that into a gift, yes, a gift, and how fear hasn't stopped him from doing multiple triathlons or going back to school to become a therapist and a school counselor. At every opportunity, he reminds us that he's just a regular guy who goes through the ups and downs of life. But in my opinion, he's truly extraordinary. If you have a middle schooler, we hope this gives you some common ground to connect with your child. Every middle school student heard Steve speak. If you don't have a child in middle school, you'll love hearing Steve's story and the lessons he's learned for how to live an extraordinary life. You'll likely want to share his wisdom with your children. Please enjoy my interview with Steve Walker. I'm sitting down at Miracosta High School with Steve Walker. Steve spoke to all of our middle school students to kick off Social Emotional Learning Week. And my daughter came home raving about him and was so, so inspired to overcome any challenges in her life that I realized I didn't know too much of what went on during that week. And Steve, whatever you said had a profound impact on my daughter, Annie. So I'm imagining a lot of other kids were touched as well. So can you take a minute and introduce yourself and then we'll sure. get to learn a little bit about what our kids heard? Sure. Yeah. First, um, like you said, my name is Steve Walker. I'm actually, uh, actually, but I'm a counselor intern at Maricosta and MBMS. I was so fortunate to, um, interview here and then get uh, hired on here for the school year. So I started in August, just like everybody on the first day of school. And um, I've made a commitment to be here the entire school year. And so if I go back up one step, if you probably put two and two together, I'm a counselor intern, but which means I'm a college student as well. Oh, no, I actually yeah. hadn't put that together. Yeah. I was well, wondering. I'm, a, you know, the gray in my beard. <laughs> I'm a slightly older than the average college student, not by much. Um, but yeah, I kind of 
in my thirties, I was, I had a very good career and I was trying to figure out what I was going to do as my vision has been declining. And so I thought being a therapist was something that I could thrive at. And so I'm currently at Loyola Marymount, which is not that far from here, just a few miles. And their program is really nice. I'll get a license very similar to an MFT, but the acronym, uh, the letters are different. It's called LPCC, but essentially MFT, like for the ears, it's the same. And, but I also am getting the PPS credential. So it's what all the school counselors have downstairs at the front office and also at MBMS. What does PPS stand for? It's so weird. Pupil Personnel Services. Okay. So it's like high school. It's basically K through 12. So it's basically a degree that you need to, in order to be a counselor at yeah, high school. Yeah, K through 12. And okay. I think private too. Okay. But yeah, so I'm, uh, I'm getting a degree in that and the master's in counseling with those two tracks. And so which put me here at this school. Uh, um, and I love it. I've been here, like I said, since August. I come, I'm usually two days a week, two, excuse me, two days a week here at Costa and two days at MBMS. And I have a full caseload. I primarily do like emotional anxiety, having a rough day, attendance avoidance, like all those things. I do do some academic stuff, but uh, I'm usually not, that's not my focus. Okay. And we will, I want to get into sure. your vision and your loss of vision. Sure. Um, but before we, we, we get there, I just want to say it must be really... You must have a lot of empathy for kids who are struggling. D does your lack of vision help you have more empathy, do you think? Is that why you went into counseling? Yeah, I mean, I think I went into counseling for a number of reasons. I mean, the empathy is certainly there. Um, it's, you know, I said that speech eight times. And so I wish I could, like, get the best one of those eight. And I wish I would have said the same thing eight times. But I know for sure. Maybe Annie was the one that heard it, but I'm very fortunate to go blind, which is like a weird thing to say. And it was a weird thing to come to that realization because like you're saying, I'm able to, although they're obviously somebody struggling with something is usually not vision. Um, but yes, to answer your question, like my capacity to understand somebody's struggle with whatever it is, I can certainly appreciate how stressful it is, how lonely it is, how depressing it is, like all these feelings that we struggle with as people. Um, but yeah, to answer your question directly, my daughter is a freshman in college oh, and she wow. had some bumps in the road like we all do during high, middle school and high school. So even beyond being somebody that's almost completely blind or a blind person, my experience parenting somebody that struggled through school, and she's okay with me sharing this, but um, parenting somebody that wasn't like the biggest fan of school mm -hmm. that's not so much teachers or friends but you know just that anxiety that comes over us as teenagers it's hard yeah so. it's it's yeah so yeah. being blind helps being a parent helps um and yeah it's just like connecting with the students and because i don't have to do any discipline or any like schedule changes those are obviously very important things but because i can solely focus on their feelings and how to help them it really gives me the flexibility to help them as much as i can Wow. If that makes sense. Yeah, that's beautiful. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Um, you said something that as much as I want to start, you know, start and go back and hear, sure, no, hear your story. Yeah. You said something that I've never, I could never imagine hearing someone say, and that is fortunate to go blind. Yes. It sounds crazy. 
It doesn't sound crazy. Yeah. You sound well, like a sound... highly evolved <laughs> superhuman. I don't know if I'm just saying that to to cope with it, but that's what I've come to. But go ahead, tell me, ask me what I cut you that's, off. That's beautiful. I mean, how do you get to a place? I think that's that's the dream. We all have, you know, we all take our struggles, mm -hmm. big and small, and have faith in the fact that they are a gift. Yes. How are you able to say that? Well, first of all, it took many years, probably somewhere between five and 10. Like it's, a, it was a, like, maybe it's used too much, but like at the journey, it's a yeah. path, it's a, you're traveling, it's not the destination. And so if you can imagine, um, well, let me back up one second, just so everybody hearing my voice, um, I lived a normal life. You know, I was a normal teenager, a normal kid. Like I didn't, I, I wore glasses, but vision wasn't my problem. And so I went into the Marine Corps uh, after graduating from Redondo Union High School. I'm a South Bay kid, pretty much born and raised, not quite, but um, so yeah, I'm in the Marine Corps. And as I'm in Camp Pendleton, we do a lot of exercises at night. And I just noticed at nighttime, my vision was like off. I didn't know it was my vision. I just thought like, what, my instincts are off, like what's happening? And, but I was able to just barely squeak by in the training. Um, and then, uh, while I was in the Marine Corps, I was about a year in, I said, oh, let me just get a, a routine eye exam to, maybe I just need to update my prescription. And then I was sitting in the chair and he says, uh, he asked me all these questions and then he just blurts it out, just very direct. He's like, oh, you have a very rare eye condition. It's called retinitis pigmentosa. Um, you'll probably go blind by, um, somewhere around your forties or probably early forties. And um, they're probably not going to let you stay in the Marine Corps. Which is like that? Yeah, like, just like you're just sitting in the my, chair in yeah, one... all in 30 seconds. Yeah. And, but he wasn't rude about it. He was actually a very nice man. Uh-huh. And he's like, you know, I have a, um, uh, like, an, I don't know if he called it an intern or a student doctor, or, you know, like when they're just out of residency or whatever. I'm probably butchering the lingo. But he's like, can I bring her in? Because your eye disease is so rare. Like, we usually don't see it. Can she look in your eyes? And I'm like, yeah, sure, whatever. And so I kind of leave, you know, I'm in camouflage uniform. I have boots on, like I'm a Marine and like I'm doing my job and I leave this eye exam and I'm like, what just happened? And so fast forward. They so go to, you're what, 20? No, I, I'm a fall baby. So I was always a year younger than my peers. So I went into the Marine Corps at 17. Okay. So a year in, I was only 18. 18 years old. After being in an entire year. So I'm only 18 years old. Okay. And so they go to process me out medically. And this is like right on the heels, or actually not heels, I guess whatever the verbiage is, it's right before September 11th, like a month before. And so they go to process me out of the military and then I appeal it. And I said, can please, can I just stay in for my enlistment? I'm 18, I don't know what I'm doing, honestly. Yeah. And so I'm like, can I just stay in? And so they let me stay in. Okay. And so then when September 11th happened, all my friends started to uh, deploy on, you know, rotations, like this group of hundred, this group of hundred. And so I would just stay in the back in San Diego at a, in a desk uh, at an, in an office, <laughs> very tough rain in an office doing paperwork. Um, and my vision started to decline while I was in the Marine Corps where I'd limit my night driving. Um, and wow, this is a, sorry, a real long explanation, but I stopped driving in my mid twenties. Okay. I voluntarily gave up my license and then somewhere around that. And then I lost the ability to see faces and then I couldn't see texts. Like I couldn't read anymore. Um, and so now I'll just be very clear. I'm 40 years old. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm full blown like a blind person. It's, and it would take some time to like wrap my, I, 
a, uh, my identity of like what that means. Did you go through a depression kind of when you found out yeah. and when this was happening? How does your mind, how does your mind process something that huge? Yeah, I think I flirted with depression. I mean, now that I'm a psychology and master's in counseling, like I don't quite fit the DSM criteria for depression. I was more upset. Okay. And so if I'm being very honest, I, I joke with people. I've joked on different interviews. Like I didn't have depression. I had aggression. And not that I was trying to fight anybody, but I was more angry at the situation. It's almost like, you know, like you're doing a puzzle or like Sudoku. I don't know what, but you're doing something and you're like, ah, I can't get it. You and get so, frustrated, like yeah, frustrated. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And so that's what I had to figure out how to crack that code and like solve that puzzle. And so that's what put me on this path of triathlon and Ironman. And so it kind of all gelled together where I'm like trying to figure out how to figure out be how to figure out how to be blind. And like, do I go back to school? And then like all this stuff happens. And now I'm sitting in front of you and I'm going to graduate next month from Loyola and congratulations. go off and be a therapist somewhere or work in a school. So my putting applications out right now. So if anybody, <laughs> if anybody hears this, if anyone's really looking good, for a therapist, yeah, so I'm a very good therapist okay. for teens and, and adults. Too. Oh, there's a huge yeah. need for that right yeah. now. I know I'll, I'll find somewhere. I'm just trying to make sure I find a good spot to land. Yeah, definitely. But I don't think I answered your question directly. I went off on some path. But, so it, was a, it was a very interesting sure. path. So thank you. So my... Okay, let's, we can get back to my question because sure. I have it written down, so I won't forget it. Okay. Um, I'd love to hear more of your story. And maybe you could share a little bit of, of what you spoke about with the sure. middle schoolers. Okay, so the middle school benefits from me telling this story probably 20 times to adults, to rotary clubs and veterans and colleges and little tiny kids, kindergarten students. Um, so I've told it a lot and I try to adapt it to my audience. And so, um, uh, Lauren Galbraith is amazing at MBMS. She kind of, I don't know how exactly she overheard that I was a triathlete and I had been speaking to the students here at Costa about performance anxiety as an athlete. Individually? Uh, no, as, so I spoke to the soccer team, the cross country team, um, and some other groups. And so like. I wasn't like a main thing, but I was just trying to uh, relate to them as an athlete because I had a lot of anxiety swimming in the ocean. And so I can't relate to them as a, you know, track and field athlete. So I, I just put together this thing. And so I think Lauren, over, you know, found out about it and then I shared it with her and it kind of grew into this presentation about adversity. And that's kind of what I tried to talk with the students about at MBMS. And so it's that my thing is being a blind person. I can fully wrap my arms around being blind. It's actually an incredible gift to have such a clear cut um, obstacle in front of you because you can name it, you can look at it, you can, um, people can feel sorry for you if I'm being perfectly honest, but everybody has something that they're dealing with. And so I talked to them about using whatever is in your way as fuel. And so you have to figure out how to harness it. And so I gave the image of, of you know, a surfer with the waves curling over him. And I said, just think about it for a second. If, if you're not a surfer, you can still, uh, you can still understand this, that if they went to go swim or paddle out and there was no resistance at all, and they just, just paddle, boom, 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 and they're out there, 
It means because there were no waves. There was nothing resisting them. They need the force of the ocean, literally trying to kick them out of the ocean. Like comedians have bits of, I think Jerry Seinfeld has a bit about this. It's the ocean trying to kick you out. And so I tried to paint this picture of them. And I try to tell them like, you know, a butterfly needs the resistance of the shell of the cocoon and of the chrysalis. Like, I don't know if you remember in elementary school, the teacher says, don't help the butterfly break out of it. It needs the resistance to build the strength of the wings. And so I'm trying to tell them the story it was sprinkling in my story of being blind because I can only beat that drum so long. I don't think it's that interesting personally. And so I'm letting them know that my thing is being blind. Your thing is something else, but it's so counterintuitive. You have to learn how to embrace whatever your struggle is. And so I walked them down this path about, and I try to keep my talks, unlike this podcast where I'm rambling, but I try to keep my talks kind of clean where there's only three ideas. Just I've noticed public speaking, it's just better to have shorter, more impactful ideas, not just for middle school students, for adults too. Right. So yeah, we, we talked about adversity. How do you, how can, do you embrace it? Can I just it? interject sure. something that you must have done brilliantly? Sure. Go ahead. Um, one of my daughter's assignments after hearing your talk was to write about an adversity in her life mm -hmm. and how it was empowering her. Mm -hmm. So she read it to me and it was about how being short being she's a soccer player and she's okay. short, she's little okay and how because she's little she's had to compensate by getting a lot of speed yes and my first reaction was you heard someone with like this incredible adversity and you're saying being short is adverse but i think what you did probably so well that is said whatever your adversity is yeah is real is, is real to you my adversity is yeah it's different i don't have everybody. vision and you're, you know, whereas I would think her being short isn't that big of a deal. To her, it's a really big deal. So I think you allowed people to really embrace whatever their reality was. Thank you. Yeah, I try. Because again, I was, at, again, I did it eight times. <laughs> I, like it wasn't memorized. I kind of try to be very natural when I speak. But yeah, I tried to tell them that my thing is being blind. Your thing is something else. And everybody's going to have different. And again, it's like when you're speaking to an audience, especially teenagers, you can't be too negative, or at least that's my take. And so like I was, have to be very, my intention was to be very light to also tell them it's going to happen again. Yeah. Like we obviously, once we fix something, another thing pops up and that's just a normal course of life. Like there's always something kind of annoying us and bothering us, but it's almost the beauty of like working through it. And so that's why I crazily have the statement that comes out of my mouth that I'm so thankful for being blind. Trust me, it took many years to get there, but that's, that's where I'm at right now, wow. sitting with you. Well, I think, and now I can see why Annie was so moved. I think it's an incredible lesson, especially to learn in middle school and to the high school kids that you're able to share this with, that resistance is a gift. It yeah. is how you get stronger. For me, the butterfly analogy really sticks, you know? Yes. And when you can give those metaphors, are they metaphors or analogies? Yeah, yeah. I, I you know, like, the ocean, uh -huh. like all these things. You start thinking about nature mm -hmm. and you understand. Right. That is how we build. You know, you look at nature and it's we just take it for granted in nature. Yeah. But then we want our own lives to go so smoothly. Yeah. I think because, you know, as a therapist, I'm always, it's kind of nerdy, but I'm like, I'm studying humans and like how to help parents parent their children and how to help all through all our stages. Like, how do we? navigate this crazy human experience and, and a lot of the times we're trying to avoid discomfort and so being in the marine corps 
um, and I was in Marine Corps ROTC from eighth grade through 12th grade. And so, um, my point sharing that is that I have a very, um, I can easily cope with being uncomfortable. And so that was a, again, a huge gift to be in a lifestyle where we thrived on, you know, muscling through these difficult situations it, it, you know, it's so weird how your life works. It probably prepared me very well to be a blind person. It is yeah. funny how life works. Yeah. And then, and then, you know, we'll talk, talk about it too, but it's like, I, oh, and that's what it is. I'm like all over the place, <laughs> the, like the triathlon. So I weave in, I needed the triathlon to pull this out of me. So okay, I, explain, yeah. go deeper on that because yeah, yes. I don't know exactly what so that means. So what I, I oh, hit, to pull out the gratitude for being blind? Uh, well, no. So I'll tell them, I'll tell you what I told the students is like, I was going blind mm -hmm. and I was going, um, I don't know, at some, whatever periods I said, maybe I said crazy or angry. Like I tried to use as many emotions because it's all true. I was going crazy. I was losing my sense of who I was. And at a last ditch effort at my lowest point, my wife and my best friend said, why don't we do a triathlon together in Ironman? Because I had always wanted to do one and just life got in the way. I just never did one. And I told them, this is what I told the students. I told them like, that's a stupid idea because that ship has sailed. Like we waited too long. This is ridiculous. And literally we're sitting together, my best friend, wife, and myself, and they Google it. And many blind people have done a triathlon and an Ironman triathlon at that 140.6 miles. And so we went on this adventure to figure out how to be a brand new triathlete and how to do it. And I was explaining to them that race pulled it out of me. It gave me something to focus on and harness all my, my fear, my depression, my anger, my frustration with being blind. And I channeled it and I pushed it all towards this race. And so I progressively got my body and in, in uh, along the way, my mind and my emotions in, in tune. And I completely kind of, uh, not kind of, but I completely revamped who I was at my lowest point to where you see me li like literally 10 years later, because I, I did my first triathlon and Redondo beach in June. And then I did uh, a full distance Ironman in Mexico in 2014. And then I did Kona Hawaii in 2015. And I've done several after that, but wow. Yeah. Sounds like you have a pretty incredible wife and best friend. I do. Yeah. They're amazing. I mean, I, yeah. I've been married, uh, we're right at the doorstep of 21 years. And then my best friend and I, we met, uh, we got into a little scuffle together our freshman year. <laughs> of yeah. high school? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. He's a Marine. He's like awesome. He's like a pilot. He's amazing. <laughs> and so, uh, yeah, we went into the Marine Corps together and then he went back in to become a pilot after her enlistment. That's awesome. I was just actually listening to a podcast and they were talking about as soon as you are getting depressed, the best thing to do is get out and be helping someone else Yeah. because you get stuck in your head. And yeah. it sounds like that's what this did for you. It's, we all do it, yeah. right? It's our life and we get stuck in our head. Yep. And But then to be, that's really cool what you said, to be pulled physically and emotionally. And, you know, your focus was on your body and the roots and doing these incredible things Yeah, of it, triathlons. Yeah, it was a gift because like I, I made a little bet with myself, which was a very risky. I don't think I told the students this because I didn't want them to hear it. Um, but it's like, I'm like, if I don't do this triathlon, like, I don't know what's going to happen. I mean, I'm not, I wasn't, I'm, in all seriousness, I wasn't um, thinking about harming myself, but I'm just right. figuratively, it was so dark going blind. I'm like, I don't know what to do. This has to be the last thing I can think of. 
Wow. And it worked out. So Yeah. That is <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, that is like I have to figure this out. That is so amazing. Is it you said something earlier about being in the water and yeah. maybe you said maybe it was a little scary. Yeah. Can you speak to that a little bit? So um I I don't know why, but I've had reoccurring nightmares since before I can remember, maybe three or four, whenever your memory starts of drowning. And so my, my, oh my wife, God. yeah, my wife is like, did something happen to you? I'm like, I don't know. I don't think so. Or maybe something did. And so I've always had a fear of the water. And in, in boot camp in the Marine Corps, I'm from Redondo Beach. I, like, <laughs> I somewhat boogie boarded a little bit. And like, I went into the ocean like a little bit. But I'm in the uh, I'm in the pool in boot camp with like people from like you know Kansas and like um, you know the center of the country. <laughs> so it's like you've never seen the ocean. Yeah, we're in the uh, we're in the pool together because we're the last ones. Like we failed the swim qualification over and over again, and so this is your last attempt to get it. And so they do different things where like you have to float and tread water, or jump off a platform in your boots with a machine gun, and all these things. And so for most people, it'd be like totally fine, especially if you're from a town with the name Beach in it. Yeah. But again, my fear of water, I luckily just barely passed. I just remember like my drill instructor telling me, just calm down. Like he was yelling at me, just freaking breathe and relax. So I passed. But my point uh, is that I was a terrible swimmer. And so although I was in the Marine Corps and although I did know how to swim, it's like barely. And so I had a fear of the water and I'm like, that was the biggest hurdle on this triathlon journey. And so when I found um, a person to ride a tandem bike, because I ride a tandem bike, obviously the person with vision is in the front, I'm in the back. Okay. So I found him, but he was a better swimmer than he was a cyclist. And so he, he worked at Torrance Memorial and he's like, oh, I go to the plunge to work out and swim because I love swimming. He's like a dolphin. And so he taught me how to swim like 50 yards properly. And then we had to figure out how to get to a hundred yards and then progressively build on it. Like I was such a bad swimmer. I couldn't use my arms. Like he, he wouldn't let me use my arms because I just hated the water. I had terrible form. Like I had to use little baby fins and like a snorkel because he was trying to work on my form. All swimmers would understand this. Okay. And so I almost was like not even going to be able to do a triathlon because I couldn't swim 200 yards. I mean, that adds to the yes. amazingness yeah. of the story. So eventually I, I cracked the code of swimming. And then when I get into the ocean, it's like, I've never trained with him before. I freak out. Okay. Because the water is freezing. It's so different. Yeah, yeah. It's freezing and the ocean and the creatures and like yeah. people texting you like, oh, there's sharks. I saw sharks. And then <laughs> on the news, like, do you really have to text me that? And, but yeah, I freak out just because I can't tell when the waves are coming at me. And so luckily I literally trust my life with him. And so we developed a system where he like taps me when the the waves are coming and eventually I learned how to duck and get past them and then just start swimming. And so, yeah, it's, it was very scary. Cause it's just like, I'm already blind, but just to have the waves and then I can't hear him clearly. Uh, it was very scary. It's scary to me with yeah. vision the thought of doing that. Cause I'm not a swimmer or ocean yeah. person either. Did you, how do you not? So now I know how you do a bike. You sure. ride a tandem bike. Tandem how bike. do you, in addition to all these other um, elements and challenges with the water. Mm-hmm. How do you, how do you know that you're on course? Do you swim with someone? Yeah. So the athlete, all blind athletes, even in the Paralympics where they get, you know, it's medals and they're going against the entire world. Um, all blind athletes 
race with a guide. Oh, okay. So it's the same guide takes you the whole race. That, and, that yeah. must be awesome. Yeah, it, to it, it, do it like with a partner. Yeah, yeah. It's not, I I only know triathlon with a partner, so it's I don't know what it's like to be like being in your own head and like pushing yourself. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I'm in my own head a because little bit. Because are you guys pushing each other? Or are you like not really? I don't like those guides. Okay. <laughs> um, uh, I've only raced with a few guides, but and they all know me really well. Like I want to be able to go to dinner with you and navigate the airport. Mm-hmm. Those are more important to me than you being fast and okay. i'm not a fast triathlete let's okay be very clear okay like i did my kona in 14 hours so which is like Holy kind of endurance though yeah but it's slow that, uh, the endurance of that is incredible yeah but what was the question uh, oh yeah so the athlete does the whole race with you okay so yeah we're tethered like i literally just yanked um, a belt off of like a backpack like a like a champion backpack like uh-huh. a nylon belt and I just MacGyvered my own little setup because every blind person figure figures out what's best for them. Okay. And the cord, like a flexible cord, attaches me to the athlete. And so because I have no vision in my in my right eye, I like my guide on my right side. Okay. So I protect my worst side. And so when the cord stretches too much, I know I've veered off course. And then when I bump bump into him, I know I'm too close. And so I try to find this middle ground of not feeling that he's there, which is an odd feeling. I know that he's there. I have so much trust in the person next to me, but I want to be able to swim where I, I it's almost like they're not there, if that makes sense. Yes. So if, the, if I pull too much, I veer closer to him. If I bump into him, it's like I'm playing bumper cars for yeah. whatever the distance of the swim is. So, Wow. Yeah. And then we're on the same bike together. That's super easy. And then we, when we run... Um, because I don't have all the distraction of the ocean. I could just run next to him. I still okay. have a cord, like a literally it's a shoelace. Uh-huh. But that's just as a backup to if I were to do something silly, which I, knock on wood, I never have. So yeah, we just so run fun together. to hear. That's so neat. Okay, so when you, you said when you speak to the kids at the middle school, mm-hmm. you had three, kind of you broke it into three yeah. pieces. And I think the first is about how we need resistance in life. Yes. Is that right? Yeah, you literally need it for muscles to grow. Right. Astronauts need it. Like they have to figure out how to keep their mu- And I don't mean to be so literal with muscles, but we just need it in life. Yeah. So that was lesson number one. Right, and muscles get stronger by, exactly. they, they break and then they come back stronger. Yes, yes, so, yes. okay, what's the second? Second one was, um, I love SpongeBob SquarePants and I think it's missed this current generation, which I'm very sad about. <laughs> but um, anyways, he has a, uh, an attitude of gratitude. He sprinkles that in the show at different points. And so it's funny, but it rhymes and it's straight to the point. And so I gave them a story. Oh, yeah. And he told me that too. Sorry to interrupt you. But it came up a number of times that week of having an attitude of gratitude. Yeah. It sounds silly, but it's like those jingles If it works, that's how people remember. Yeah. And I, and so being a grumpy blind person, like I was able to transform my attitude and be thankful for it and be accepting of it. And so I found that your attitude is so powerful because it's actually a choice, right? Yeah. It's not, if you think about it for a second, we actually have a, a choice to figure out what kind of attitude we're going to bring into a situation, into a relationship, into whatever. And so I told them, I actually wanted to give them a story of a bad attitude. And so I picked when uh, my birthday was in October. And so my wife um, got me the Porsche experience, which is rather new. It's by Ikea on the 405. Okay. And it's technically in Carson, but they say LA. Anyways, point is she got me the Porsche experience on like the best Porsche with a professional driver. 
And when she said, hey, don't plan anything for this. I'm giving you this surprise birthday thing. I was upset because it, all these, uh, like I got hit with all these, this pity party for myself because I don't want to sit in the passenger seat. I want to drive the Porsche and driving. Of course, I can't see what my daughter and my wife look like or anybody. I can't see what you look like, <laughs> but, um, selfishly I miss driving. And so when she gave me that gift, I had a terrible attitude and I was, I explained to them, I was upset. I was trying to be polite, but as we were driving there, I was just like arms crossed, bad attitude, like trying to be like fly under the radar. Uh, but it was oozing out of me. And so I played them a clip, uh, a clip of the engine rumbling. Cause when I walk up to the car and I can hear the engine and smell the gasoline and like, there's other cars screeching on the, the track. Luckily that like snapped me out of it. And I had an amazing time, but it was, I was trying to tell them that like, even me, you know, standing up, yeah. up here in front of you guys, sharing all this stuff, it, like, I'm not perfect. I right. still have bad days. And so this was an example of when my attitude was poor, but luckily I shifted it because of, I just was able to, you were able to pop out of it. I feel like that's part of the process of being human too, yeah. right? Of, yeah. You know, our minds, our minds can go, <laughs> can go there, right? Yeah. Yeah. And we have to allow our, can we allow it? selves yeah, a little yeah. bit of like yeah this sucks yeah this isn't the way i want to be having the porch experience yeah. and so um yeah but I, maybe I, the magic is how quickly you pull yourself out pull yeah and so i try to remember that like with students and like when i'm working with students i have to like because when i sit down with a student you know they don't and rightfully so they don't care what was happening to me that morning or five seconds or five minutes before they need me to be like on 100% on my game, helping them through whatever we're talking about that day. So your attitude is a choice. And so I, I pair that example against another athlete who had a very high double amputation, Rudy Garcia. So he did his Ironman and Kona, and he didn't complete it the first time because they have different cutoff points. And that how he completed it the second time in Arizona. And I, there, we met um, at a function where we were raising money for other ath uh, athletes with disabilities. So I was just trying to say, like, this is an amazing guy, and he has a great attitude. Every time I've met him and seen him and talked to him, and he is just like, he's so selfless to raise money for other disabled athletes. And so I was just trying to contrast somebody with a bad attitude named Steve Walker, who was pouting over the- <laughs> For five minutes. Yeah, over the A five-minute bad attitude, right. yeah. And with the, the amazing route. And because I, I told him, like, I could have picked, and which is true, I could have picked hundreds of athletes that I've come across um, that have, like, inspired me. Not just blind athletes, but- veteran athletes, uh, other people that were born with disabilities or had accidents. And just because I've trained with so many people that have taught me how to uh, be a better person. So again, that's why it's the journey that leads me to be able to say that I'm thankful for being blind. Wow. Yeah. I, well, I, we're going to get to the but third that was, thing. That was lesson two. But I just have to stop and sure. thank you for making a life choice to work with children. Because I think that so much of what you learned, especially in today's climate, of so many kids suffering with depression yes, and yeah. all, you know, the interplay of social media and the pressure that these kids have about college. It's a really yeah. hard time time to be a kid. It was so sad. The other day, my son has seen a therapist and he hasn't seen him in a while. I was like, oh, you should just text him sure. to tell him that you're doing well. And my son looked at me. He said, I'm not doing well. And I was like, oh, no. Like, just because you look like you're fine yeah. on the outside, no, like me, I know. kids are suffering and it's, yeah. it's really heartbreaking. So I think you're choosing 
to take everything that you've learned and share it with kids is really, really a wonderful choice for the world. Yeah, so thank, thank you. you. No, no, you're very welcome. I'm, I mean, we could talk about that too, if we have time, but I'm kind of amazed that I'm actually here. I was super scared to be a blind person and be a counselor. So, but we, we can go over that because no problem. <laughs> yeah. I was scared. Like, oh, how am I going to see students? And yeah. yeah, so far so good. Well, even, <laughs> even that is, is a great learning for kids like right. to hear i was super scared to do this and what it but you still stepped into it and i think that goes back to that triathlon yeah you I know mean, that first phase of your wife and your best friend pushing you of like yeah. yeah i know you're scared but get out there do it yeah i was scared just to walk through <laughs> like the first couple of days i was just so in a knot yeah uh, just to figure out how to walk through here but i got over it wow little by little wow um, third, third message for the yeah. kids. Third message. It just wrapped it up. Um, I, th I think I was telling you about it with, um, like the triathlon, I was physically working on my body, but along the way, my emotions, my heart, my spirit, uh, my feelings, it all, they all grew together. Yes. I was trying to get faster swimming, biking, running, but that's not what happened. I mean, it is a little bit, but it, what happened is I came out of my dark period. And so my last um, point to them was that mental health is being talked about more and more, which is beautiful. I love it. And so I'll give you my short definition of mental health. And it's making sure that your body, mind, and your feelings connect. And so it's like a triangle. If any one or two are out of whack, you can actually use the other thing or the other side of that triangle to kind of push them into the right direction. And I wanted to be clear, like, look, I'm not standing up here telling you, I'm blind, do a triathlon, do a, no, actually, that's the furthest thing. I'm just letting you know, your body is a gift. And so um, if you're in this auditorium and you're hearing me and we're together, I mean, your body may not be perfect, but you're here, we're up here together. So it's working a little bit. So be grateful for it. Back to point number two. Yep. And let it like push your mind and your feelings in the right direction. And so sometimes, um, yeah, they, they all work off of each other. That's what I was trying to tell them. It's great. Yeah. yeah they mind, body, spirit. Mind, body, spirit. I, and I love how you brought up spirit because I feel like that's not something. Yeah. I mean, I, that, I, it's like you got to be delicate in a public school. I mean, right. I not, right. And it's not. Anything, but yeah. It's just. You know, your spirit could be your energy. It's, yes, you're not yeah, for saying, sure. yeah, but it's, it's, yeah. Well, the speaking of energy, uh, I think I told a couple of, of the administrators, I opened with a small lie in the beginning. And I said, I'm actually, I'm used to talking in public, but I'm very nervous. I get very scared. So can we all clap together? And so that's not true. I do get nervous. That is like slightly true, but it's not, it doesn't bother me. I can talk all day long or talk too much. Matter of fact, talking too much now. No. But no, right. we clapped together for like not even 10 seconds, but in rhythm. And so the spirit and the body are connected. And so when 100 people clap in unison together, we, this may sound weird, but I feel like we get on the same frequency together. Totally. Yeah. Oh my so God. I, I would never think of that. But yeah. as soon as you say it, I think yeah. even if you and I sat here together yeah. and did it together, it would get us in the same. Yeah. And so same that's mode. what we did. We clapped together, like I said, for 10 seconds. Yeah. 
And then we took a couple deep breaths together and it resets. And so that's why I feel all therapists, people who do yoga and just anybody in general, um, you know that the body and the spirit connection is powerful. So you want to tap into it when, when you need to, or when, when you, um, yeah, you need to tap into it sometimes. So that's a really, is that your, did you make that up? The no, clapping I, thing? Cause that's really, uh, cool. I'm surprised that like, thing. I think we I st- don't do that in I yoga classes that, or something. I stole a version because... of that from Tony Robbins. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, again, a lot of good ideas. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so, cause he was clapping and like, it kind of gets the crowd going. And so. And just on the same, same page. Yeah. I stole that from him. I love it. I, I took you know, bent it towards mine thing. So <laughs> that's cool. Thank you for yeah. sharing that. No problem. Um, okay. I will let you get back. I know you have kids to see and everything. Um, I just have a couple more sure, questions. Cool. Yeah, we're good. Thank you. What would you say to parent? I mean, so, okay. You in your, yeah, yeah. in your, um, seat as a parent, as your seat of everything you've learned from being blind, what would you say to parents about how we can best support our kids on a social emotional wellness. When your daughter was going through good days and bad days, how did you best support her? Kind of put your therapist hat on now sure, as well. Sure. Um, okay. So I'll just give it to you straight. Um, it's so simple, but it's like love, love, love. Yeah. And so <clears throat> with my daughter, it's, it was difficult with students. It's difficult. But they need something steady to anchor themselves on. And so when I have a student in here that's crying or when I'm in the ocean with my guide, my guide is my anchor. And so as a parent, I know it's super difficult. We, we cry and we yell in predators. We can't do that in front of our kids. It doesn't matter if they're one or two or 19 or 17, whatever age. And so my advice is it's really that. If you anchor all your decisions and your strategy and everything on love and support, you can almost never go wrong. And so to meet, to pick techniques and to pick different things, I could do that. But really it's like, I think if we come from a place of loving them and supporting them as best as possible and being their rock for them, they're going to get through it. Even when it doesn't seem like it's possible or when it seems pretty dark, um, you just have to keep on that banner of like loving them, supporting them. Um, the Marine in me says a little bit of discipline too. Doesn't hurt. (laughs) I'm glad you said, first of all, that's a beautiful answer. I love that. Um, it's funny you brought that up about the Marine because that's what I was thinking. There's this, always this balance of we want our kids to, you know, to work their hardest and show up you know, whether it's showing up for class, oh, yeah. ready to learn, you know, all these things that as adults, we would, we, we could do, um, to be kind. We want all our kid to show up as their best self. Yes. And I worry that sometimes I do this, like, you know, did you make that appointment with your counselor? Yeah, yeah. Do you want to, you know, all these quote unquote suggestions that yeah. are maybe more guiding him. How do I balance? How does a, how does a parent balance that support and rock and love with the pushing and discipline that they need to be, you know, to grow into their best selves. Yeah. It's so tough because it's like every kid is different. So I've given different talks here and it's a point that I stole from a different, I think his name is, um, I'm so sorry, Tom 
Sturges. Oh, I know that name. Parking lot rules. He's a Manhattan Beach dad. Oh, okay. Yeah, I think it's Tom Sturges. Anyways, I'm, again, stealing. (laughs) Uh, He has a chapter, Love the Tree You Have. And so it's, again, sounds silly, but like a palm tree, an oak tree. But like, yes, you can prune them into different things. And so it's like, it's so hard to answer your question because I know exactly what you're asking. But it's like, you just have to figure out what your kid needs and support them as best as possible. Um, And just trust that that love will, like a lot of times I think about the teenage brain, like this 16 year old person living in my house, this is not his fully formed brain. He's going to, it's all going to continue to develop. And so he's going to get there and maybe it is just, the answer is just love, love, love. So you know, you've got that support. Yeah. I mean, there's also practical things like, you know, like I'm helping my daughter with job interviews. And so it's like, I want to like, you know, like take control and help her as much as I can, but I need to That's give what her, it is, yeah. yeah. But that'll, it's not dark, but I'll be a little sad for a second. I am not a huge Laker fan. That's I'm cool. a fair weather fan. Like when we're running the championship, great, I'm a Laker fan, but I honestly don't care. Yeah. But Kobe's death shook me very much um, because of many reasons. I won't go into them. And so that has changed me. I know my parenting has changed after his death because we're not promised what anything so i always try to take advantage of every day with my daughter i only have one kid i know other people have multiple so i don't know what that's like but i try to take advantage of every day that i have with her and like am am i going to be her manager and like her um like reminder of things yes that's very important trust me i I totally get it but i just want to make sure that i'm anchored on love and support and her rock and i know that she has a good head on her shoulder so Kind of getting off on a tangent, but okay. It's a Not good, good. It's a good tangent. Yeah. Um, we have excuse, excuse the no, bell, everyone. <laughs> we're in um, a school. <laughs> yeah, we're in a high school. Um, yeah, I had a health scare, and I realized every day is such a gift, and yeah. it's so easy. It's so easy to. So I, so I read a quote yesterday. It said something about kind of the smugness of of life. You know yeah. that you just <laughs> smugly walk through life right, expecting right, right. this health. Right. And it's a gift every is, yeah. single morning that we wake up yeah. and can put our feet on the ground. Exactly. So, and can be love our children. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, um, well, what, what other questions do you want to finish with? After meeting you and talking with you and know that you're looking for, yeah. you know, <laughs> you're going to be a full, you're, so you'll be a licensed counselor. Yes. Okay. Yeah. And then do you have to get 3,000 hours or something yeah. like that? Yeah. Is that what, or yeah. do these count as hours? No, um, they, well, they count as my hours towards graduation, but then the clock gets reset and then I'll have to do another 3000. I mean, I'll still be a therapist, okay, but I'll have 3000 hours with the supervisor, um, at either a school or I'm not sure if I'm going to blend like a school and private practice or what, but figure it out. Okay. So if anyone has heard you, you certainly have the wisdom. I would love for my children to, you know, be able to speak with you and thank you. Just get some of your wisdom and how life has formed you sure. and um how can people reach out to you if they want their one of their you know if they want their children yeah. to be a patient of yours so i'll give you my email yeah let's yeah. do it so we can put it right on the podcast it's my name it's easy it's steve walker jr so jr okay all together no no periods or anything so okay steve walker jr at, at gmail gmail and okay. so my therapy I can't launch it because I'm technically not licensed yet until probably June. Mm-hmm. But I'll open it in June and have like an official website with 
everybody can find me, but the Steve Walker Jr. Okay, great. Thank you. Gmail um, should be good. Okay. Well, thank you so much for coming. And let's just do, so you're just the, because I think your three lessons are really, really great. So let's just do a quick review of your three lessons. So lesson number one, uh, adversity is your friend. You can actually flip it and use it as fuel. Right. It can push you forward. The, it can, the butterfly, the ocean, right. those can, kind of things, yeah, you right? Need it. If we actually we had removed as all the adversity, it would not go well. Yeah. Could you imagine? Yeah. Very. It's, yeah. it's like that movie Wally, you know, where yeah. we're just yeah. sitting fat and you know, yes. chuckled yes. through. So you need it. It's not an uncomfortable concept. Okay. Uh, but you know, once you kind of think about it with somebody, whether it's yourself or a loved one or a therapist, like they can help you um, embrace it. Yeah. And then the second thing is that your attitude is a choice so attitude Sponge, of gratitude spongebob is so wise attitude of gratitude so i try to be grateful even with the rain and like flat tire and yeah silly stuff my grandma used to say like be thankful for a flat tire it never made sense to me yeah uh well it does now but when I was little, <laughs> it didn't make sense and then the third thing is like mental health i think is all three things coming together and, and helping each other out the okay, mind so the, the body and the spirit yeah great the spirit whether you call it feelings or your emotions or your spirit, but the mind, the body, they can all feed off of each other. And you can use, if one, one or two are lacking, you can kind of use that third thing to push it along. Or when one's lacking, you can use the other two to push it along. And so they feed off of each other. Perfect. Momentum is powerful. And so positive momentum is also powerful and you can kind of get it going. Great. Well, you certainly helped me. And yeah. I think anyone who listens to this will not only have more to talk about with their children, um, but it'll help us be better parents. And I think it'll help us all if we if we can adopt your three <laughs> pearls of wisdom. And, it'll all help yeah. help all of us be live better lives. Yeah, full disclosure. I work on this every day too. So okay. I come across like, oh, I we, know everything. We love. know your yeah. fourth story. Yeah. Yes. No, but that's actually great that you yeah. told your fourth story person. because yeah. it just shows every day we have to do the work. Yes. Every, every day, day we have to remember our attitude of gratitude. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Thank you so much, Thank Steve. You, Thank you for being part of our community and good luck to you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for listening. We really hope you enjoyed this episode. If you have comments or ideas for future episodes, please email me at ellen.padnos at gmail. I'd love to hear from you. As always, thanks for your support of MBEF.